Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And welcome to another version of the Culture Corner where we talk about all kinds of stuff, um, movies, theater, music, books, uh, social media, all kinds of stuff. Um, hey, Brian, how are you hey, doing? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> I know we got tons and tons and tons of news, and you wanted to start with the whole Dr. Seuss controversy. I will, I would say controversy in a very loose term, because I think that it shouldn't be a controversy it at, this point, yeah. at this point, to be honest. But so for those of you who don't know, or you probably have heard of it, we got the facts for you. Six Dr. Seuss books will no longer be published by the Dr. Seuss Estate, which is a subdivision of Penguin Publishing. Okay. They, the six books are, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, Miss McElligot's Pool, If I Ran the Zoom, uh, Scrambled Egg Super, On Beyond Zebra, and The Cat's Quizner, Are You Smarter Than the Cat in the Hat? And all of these books, for the most part, have been released... 30s, 40s, 50s, and only mm-hmm. one of them from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Now, the six books were no longer published because according to Dr. Seuss' estate, uh, Enterprise, actually, they felt that the books portray people in ways that are harmful and wrong, and they said that seizing sales of these books is only part of our commitment and our broader plan to ensure Dr. Seuss' Enterprise catalog represents and supports all communities and families. Now, this is a very... Um, touchy subject Mm -hmm. on the internet right now because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are having this idea that Dr. Seuss himself is everything's been canceled everything (laughs) he ever did yeah which is not true no it's certainly not and I think like I think when we were talking you even said you know it's his own estate and they have the right to do whatever they want it's his stuff yeah and I definitely agree with that I think that with these images they they are I would say outdated, racist, outdated. Mm -hmm. And some of the ones that are included would be a very stereotypical image of a Chinese person with yellow skin, like literally yellow Mm -hmm. skin. Squinty eyes with chopsticks, yeah. And the little hat Mm -hmm. and, you know, and it's the line was, and a Chinaman eats with sticks or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then there's one of a monkey with African attire, right? And the fact is that a lot of these books aren't even the popular ones. Yeah. I want to make that clear is that for me, they're not, they're not the good they're Dr. The Seuss books. The B and C list <laughs> Dr. Seuss books, yeah. And for me, it's like, I, I feel like we have this misunderstanding about cancel culture where I think that, yes, you can critique cancel culture. There is some issues. Mm-hmm. Like I do think some people a little unfairly treated, but I think in this case, the Dr. Seuss company is just saying, you know what? we're kind of just done with these books. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is that maybe those books, cause they're not so popular. They feel, you know what? Uh, nobody talks about that one. It's not can the hat. It's not the Lord stole Christmas. Yeah. It's not Grin. any of those. Yeah. And for him, for them, they feel that it's time to sort of rebrand Dr. Seuss. And I get that. And, the, mm-hmm. and they've, and it's not even the first time that a book has been edited or taken off the market for controversial material like there are several instances of authors who choose to write to you know make their own corrections like Stephen King had a book called Rage which was about a school shooter who went around shooting people mm-hmm. at his school and it was like very heavy material and doc- and um, 
Stephen King, not Dr. Seuss. Stephen King said that he took that book off the market because he felt that that book was way too sympathetic to school shooters. Mm -hmm. And he said that he felt very bad about writing it. And that for him, he personally does not feel comfortable about that book's presence. Mm -hmm. And I think the logic is now that, well, would Dr. Seuss be okay with these images now? And I, I think, doubt it. And the Enterprise said, yeah. you know what? I think Dr. Seuss would not want these anymore. And mm -hmm. we're just going to move on away from them. And yeah. I'm one of those people that I, I think the writers and estates have every right to take any book off the market of course it's their it's their stuff if, if they have more right than anyone else yeah i certainly believe so and also in the case of like roald dahl for example he wrote charlie in the chocolate factory and he ha and in later publications of that book he took out a lot of stereotypical elements of the oompa loompas the oompa loompas were almost written as black caricatures in the beginning see i didn't know that either okay and then later republishings changed mm -hmm. it up a bit mm -hmm. and he i mean to to give raw doll some credit he also tried to make um charlie from charlie and chocolate factory a black kid but he was told by his publisher that wouldn't sell that wouldn't sell yeah. so in my opinion i think it's more egregious to hear about that than to hear about the yeah. dr seuss situation because i feel like the the dr seuss situation is just a business making a decision and if about their own product their own thing two things that uh, we chatted about this before um first of all you hear people saying well they're they're canceling dr seuss which is is, is an inaccurate statement they're not canceling all of dr seuss and secondly um i would really be interested in having a conversation with someone who's really outraged by their canceling and all the cancel culture who is in a demographic group that has ever been marginalized because i'm going to bet you that most of the people that are ranting and raving about that are not in any group that's ever been marginalized so they have no sensitivity to what that's like no i, I agree with you i think it's also because i feel like I, I feel a little disappointed when i when i saw a lot of people who said black lives matter last e year with george floyd and all mm -hmm. that and now like they they're they it seemed like they had this awakening right and then now with things changing you know i think that we're getting to a point where we're kind of losing our awakening from the george floyd situation which is sad because i feel it's because it's faded a little bit in the news yeah, yeah that's and why I, yeah and also the end of black history month i noticed that a lot of my friends who were very supportive during that time and they were part of these demographics mm -hmm. that didn't that weren't directly affected by it they they were talking about how well i can look up a picture of a chinese person eating chopsticks is that offensive and i said well no because there's a different context you know like if a chinese person took a picture of another chinese person eating chopsticks there's a humanity there dr seuss didn't write that he wrote it for, he didn't write that chinese character with the idea of creating a person he wrote no, it No, it was a caricature it was a cartoon it was a stare over the top stereotype yeah it was for a rhyme yeah and yeah. he used that image for a rhyme and i was telling that person that hey you know the thing about racism and things like that is that it's not always like so obvious it could be insidious sometimes it's subtle yeah absolutely absolutely and the thing about it is that like you might say well you know the monkey in the african entire like maybe that monkey's from africa well it's like but there's also like context about like how black people were called monkeys and yeah. there's also like yeah that's no that's just no that's not no i definitely gonna fly yeah no i definitely agree with you on that i was i was gonna say that just in general that people i think we need to have conversations about 
why these images speak to certain demographics more mm -hmm. than others. But I also want to tell people, look, if you disagree with us and you want to see these books and, and I want to ask you, like, have you read these books lately? I think most of them haven't. Yeah. Uh, and I also want to also encourage people that I agree with the idea of having these books in universities for teaching children and having these books there so that way we can look at them and say like you know and have that conversation about why why is this offensive why is it yeah and also the idea is to also talk about how um how publishers have every right to get rid of books Absolutely. and and the fact is that we could also compare like that depiction of a chinese person and tell someone hey why don't we grab this children's book by a Chinese author about their experience and compare the two and mm -hmm. talk about it. And mm -hmm. the other thing is that I think that the Dr. Seuss estate, I think they just really want to do right by the public today. Mm -hmm. And I think they just want to make Dr. Seuss more accessible because in my opinion, I think Dr. Seuss is one of those uh, authors that really knows how to get to kids to read. Right. He had, he had he had a he had a way of connecting with kids with this sort of ch childlike mentality, which was great. And yeah. my and one of my favorite ones, and I actually I actually have a bunch of children's books at my house that I sometimes take a look at for my class because I have a class on children's literature. And I looked at the cat in the hat, and I was one, and I was sitting there like, you know what, this is really great. It doesn't have a lot of prob It does not have any problematic elements. It's sweet. And I feel like it's very nuanced in how it talks about discipline. Mm -hmm. And I was telling myself, you know what? Like, I think people are focusing too much on preserving something that isn't worth preserving anymore. Yeah. And doctors and it's those six books. And can the hat is still there. And there's plenty of doctors who still out there. And, you know, the other thing is it's once again, it's, these people that are ranting and raving, they they saw this on on the media or on Facebook, and they, you know, if they if no one had told them that some of these books, they wouldn't know, and it wouldn't affect their lives one iota. It no, doesn't I, affect them. They're just something to rant and rave about. I, I agree with you on that because I feel like because when we we're because when we were talking before the air, I said, you know, Stephen King did this, right? Mm -hmm. But he and, was quiet about it. Quiet about it. So I think that the Doctor Seuss estate, if they just you know, stop d releasing those books. I think no one would have said well, anything. Would really have noticed? Yeah, yeah. But it, it, I think they wanted to send out a message about rebranding and, and, and they good. You know, I, I just want to say something about this, and it's it's something that's uh, so a part of. I mean, it's been part of the pandemic and everything. Is people? It's really dis, dis disappointing when people cannot put themselves in other people's shoes have no empathy and all they can see is how it affects me how it affects my life and i, and I, I don't if since it does it's not offensive to me it doesn't bother me it's not affecting my life or my paycheck i don't care and that's really disturbing to me and it's like you know really part of becoming a mature adult and spiritual involvement is understanding what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes and imagining their pain i agree with that and also i kind of feel like i like to call it the opposite outrage culture where someone thinks that a bunch of people are sensitive about a topic when in reality it's like no they just want to have a conversation about it like mm -hmm. for example the potato head situation to briefly touch upon that it's kind of similar to dr seuss where it's not so funny though the potato head <laughs> situation okay go ahead like the dr seuss and potato head situation share one thing where a company wants to rebrand themselves and everyone's taking it a little and the people are getting a little too weirded out by yeah. it and it's like the potato head thing it's more of like they just want 
it, what it really is is that they want you to have more options Wasn't with the toy. Wasn't there a Mrs. Potato Head too, though? No, yeah. So okay, so, I'm not sure what the problem is there. <laughs> I mean, one's Mr. One, Mrs. That you know, to me that's. That seems sillier. I mean, the Dr. Seuss thing, I think, has more depth to it, that decision. Yeah. yeah. The the Potato Head thing, though, I would say is it, it's just a cynical move to rebrand it, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Like, that's the thing about it is that um, it's kind of like if you got a PlayStation 5 and instead of calling it PlayStation 5, you say PlayStation Ultra. Yeah. That's what it's it is It's still with kind of the Head. same thing. It's just, yeah, has a different name. And yeah. with Potato Head, they decided, you know what, we're just going to give you more accessories. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people took those two situations the potato head and the dr mm. seuss situation into yeah. areas where they don't belong. belong like dr seuss people have this big idea of dr seuss being taken out of the literary canon for yeah. children not true not true and potato head people think it's cancel culture when in reality it's just a company wanting to sell you more toys hello hello <laughs> yeah i mean really just take a deep breath calm down you know go find something more important to get upset no, about. i yeah. agree and also just remember always look towards reading neutral sources on stories like this mm-hmm. because opinion pieces can sometimes create a image that isn't there Absolutely. and an enemy that you're not actually facing so yeah. remember no one's trying to take away dr don't create Seuss. false enemies when they're not there yeah and remember that and we'll see you for the next segment okay. <laughs> all right listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. Hey, welcome back to The Culture Corner. Let's get an update on the Lady Gaga situation. Yes, yay. So last week we talked about how the Lady Gaga situation was that her dogs were kidnapped and it was awful and the dog walker was shot shot. too. So now we actually have a well, I'm going to say a good, a pretty good solution for now. Not mm-hmm. quite justice, but... We're on the way. On the way. Mm-hmm. So the two dogs were eventually returned by a woman. And, and of course, it was a no, ask, no questions asked mm-hmm. situation. And, appa- and there is a... Um, I'm going to say allegedly, just because you never know. I don't, I'm not entirely sure. But I think she had no connection to the... I'm just wondering how she got them. If they were just wandering the street or how she got them. And so I guess she got the $500,000 or whatever it is that... Lady Gaga was offering. I did think she, she did. Yeah. I think she did get it, and she because Lady Gaga said she was very emotionally yeah. grateful for yeah. the situation. And the other thing is that um, her the dog walker Fisher, that's his last name Fisher. He said that he is recovering. He's mm-hmm. doing much better now, and that he feels that the fan Lady Gaga's fans and the public have really motivated him to keep going you know because mm-hmm. it was a very frightening ordeal yeah funny enough af- not funny enough but like ironically enough after our segment uh, an hour later i actually saw footage of the incident where he was sh- holding one of the pup uh, the dogs yeah. and was shaking and was yeah. very protective of them and it's like that's someone that really will go out far for you you know yeah yeah uh, and yeah and i'm wondering i mean not to be cynical but I'm hoping that this woman was innocent, but you know, you have to wonder if maybe 
she knew this guy, and that was kind of, and they say, well, hey, let's split, we'll split the, I'll, t- I'll take the dogs back, and we'll split the $500,000. You know what I mean? I'm hoping that she wasn't in- involved at all. I, I would like to believe she wasn't. I yeah. think that the L.A. Uh, police department will probably figure out something. Yeah, and, yeah. And the fact is that somebody got shot. So, yeah, that's, like, a, that's a pretty, that's, so that's a attempted murder or assault or some kind of charge. Yeah. That, that's a pretty serious yeah. uh, charge to begin with. And I think that outside of the dogs being kidnapped, I think LA, the LA police department is looking into it as an actual assault or murder. A- attempted murder, it should be, yeah. And yeah. The, the fact is that it's, it's a saga that so far has calmed down a bit, but I, I still feel bad for him because it's like oh, he's just doing his job, you know, walking walking dogs. So clearly, he's a dog lover and just doing his job for a celebrity. And boom, I mean, it's awful. And the thing would be that I I think it'd be very important for us during this time to keep an extra eye out for our animals because the fact is that if a celebrity's dog gets kidnapped, it's a lot easier for us to get our dogs kidnapped. Non-celebrities, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that happens. Yeah, I've heard of people, you know, their little dog was like kidnapped out of their backyard and stuff like that. Plus then you also have to worry about coyotes too um, in California in certain areas. Yeah. I would say be very careful with your dogs and mm-hmm. also just in general, like it's one of those things where I can't imagine taking someone else's dog because it just seems like a very cynical thing to do because yeah. I, I sometimes wonder like why do they steal those dogs to begin with because it seems like they didn't even get much out of them because like if they were planning on selling them themselves then they didn't really get much out of it yeah. or yeah and what are and I know that in some places like they'll they'll buy dogs unfortunately as bait for other animals <sighs> which which is why I will encourage people always charge money when you give away a dog like give a charge $30 or something because it discourages people from Mm -hmm. that so there are so many it's one of those things where like I think sadly we are in an I don't want to say a society but I think we live in a um, time where people I'm happy we live in a time where people see their dogs as as children part of the family part of the family Mm -hmm. so to end it on a positive note I think that I'm very happy to see someone like Lady Gaga get their dogs back and somebody like her who's always been so encouraging to people to see to uh, to see her as sort of like a member of the family too and also she's just an overall nice person to me she's done well she's donated a lot of money she's donated a lot of money for the covid relief for i think for disasters and hurricanes i mean she's always she's been very socially active always and very uh, philanthropic which is and very inclusive you can see very inclusive in, in 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 every group and that's so i'm really happy to see that this has had a happy ending she got him back the dogs are okay the dog walkers i think gonna be okay but um it's very it's a wake-up call very scary and it's one of those things where it just kind of came out of nowhere like it it just i remember i was watching the tv when that came on and i was shocked i was like wait a minute lady gaga's dogs were kidnapped and i feel like at first like when we were in the house my family and i were in the house we were like oh that's that's random but let's move on from that a little bit but then when the story got to where the guy was shot and yeah. all that, and, and then it kind of hit me like, well, her dogs got kidnapped too. Like it's, it sort of struck me as that's bad too. I think it's, it's a triple, it's a double whammy of bad, but you know, my heart goes out to the dog walker. I really hope that he gets justice for what happened and that he actually is able to just get back to work, you yeah. know, get back to work, get back to living his life. And, 
I really hope that Lady Gaga is helping him out. I'm sure she is. Oh, I'm but. Sure, oh, I have no doubt. I'm sure she is because yeah, he he did everything he could to keep her, keep her dogs safe. So, um, well, God bless Lady Gaga and her dogs and the walk. I hope you're okay and yeah, keep your keep a good watch on your animals, guys. Everybody, because you know, it's crazies out there. And coming up next, we're going to talk to Christopher Dew about his music video release. So stay tuned. The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's The Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And we're back on The Culture Corner, and uh, uh, Brian's in, uh, trying to reach uh, Christopher Dew right now. We're going to get him on the phone shortly. Uh, in the meantime, I wanted to just uh, give a shout-out to a couple people. Um, I had to buy a new computer. I have an 8-year-old laptop, and the internal mic died, and I need the mic for I do to coach voiceover students. And so my tech guy from my company said, you know what, you really need to get a new computer. So I went to Best Buy and got a beautiful desktop, HP Envy. It's gorgeous. And paid the extra money to have them transfer all of my files hopefully I thought from the old one to the new one well the problem is there are a couple things that didn't get transferred and none of the shortcuts got transferred that the icons that are at the bottom of the screen you just click it and it brings up all these different things my session notes my scripts for my students all of that which made it really difficult uh, if not impossible to um, carry on my sessions with my voiceover students. I was kind of tearing my hair out and getting really stressed out about this tech stuff, which I do at times. And so I put the word out, uh, sent some messages to a couple of people. Hey, do you know anybody that um, can come to my house and fix my computer and do tech stuff? You know, I'll pay them. And Jeff Hawker, who has a show here on iHub Radio, who's a dear buddy, said, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. And he referred me to this gentleman, Sam Moore, who's wonderful, came to my house yesterday, fixed everything, transferred everything. So now all of my stuff, all my emails, are set up all my shortcuts everything's on my new beautiful desktop exactly the way it was on my laptop so now I can function and do all my classes so thank you Jeff Hawker and thank you Sam Moore for rescuing me and anybody needs uh, a tech help um, private message me or email me and I will News at gmail.com and I will pass on the info in this guy but thank you saved my mental health and my life um, let's see um, we're gonna what else we're gonna talk about here uh we're going to get into Martha, Martha Stewart. You know, I did not realize that Martha Stewart had never hosted Saturday Night Live, and I'm sure she was offered it several times, and apparently she never did, which I'm not quite sure why, and apparently now she's regretting that. So, uh, yeah, she's had a real... I mean, Martha Stewart's got to be... She's got to be l- late 70s? I don't know how old she is. And she's sort of had a, re- re- you know, revival of her career with that, all that stuff she did with Snoop Dogg and then the special shows and the cooking segments and the commercials and of course she went to jail for insider trading which is unfortunate because there are a lot of people that have done worse things and even some of them I think are even in elected office as I recall uh, who have not gone to jail for that kind of thing so um, 
I think Martha Stewart sort of re- uh, deserve redemption at this point. Uh, she went to jail for insider training and she um, paid her dues. So um, don't talk about the, you know, the pandemic. Things are getting loosening up a little bit slowly. And if we're smart, we're going to keep it slow and listen to the scientists, listen to the medical people. I know that now there's out- outdoor dining at restaurants. Some places are having outdoor music with limited seating spaced out masks the performers a great distance away from uh the tables which i think is really important um people are getting vaccinated which is great i'm really looking forward to that i'm not in in an eligible category yet for the vaccine myself or my partner eric really looking forward to when we are because i'm going to get it asap i have no hesitation um and everyone i know that's gotten and most of the people i know that's gotten have gotten the shot have either had no side effects at all not even a sore arm nothing and a couple people that have and maybe had a sore (laughs) arm or or flu-like systems symptoms for 24 hours and then they've been fine we got christopher hey we got christopher on the phone we got some technical issues but we got christopher doe on the phone finally for those of you listening hey christopher how are you doing hi i'm great how are you guys good I'm, we're doing good, Christopher. I wanted to ask you, so what's going on with this music video? For those of you who don't know, Christopher Doe is finally is going to be releasing a music video on YouTube. And also, where else are you releasing the music video at? So YouTube is pretty much going to be the main uh, place I'm going to be releasing it. However, there's a, there is an event page on Facebook as well. If you go onto my um, artist Facebook or my personal Facebook, um, there is um, a link to the event. Or you can just search up the event. Uh, you can probably look up like Christopher Doe music video release or something <laughs> in the events, and it'll pop up for sure. And I wanted to ask you, so... I I was gonna say that I'm really impressed by the fact that not only you're the musician, but you're you're also a director. You're also directing this. Tell me about that experience of not only being a musician, but also having to direct yourself and other people. Tell me about that experience. Yeah. So okay. So um, it's it's really interesting because uh, just the other day I was talking to one of my friends about um, trying to disassociate yourself from a project to in order to like maximize, you know, the optimal, like, you know, the, the, the optimal way you can, you can, you can do it if you're involved in the project as well. And, um, the thing that I think one of the most challenging things about sort of directing something that you've already created, if that makes sense, is, is the disassociation. And it is, um, I guess having the chance to be able to like make the vision come alive, but at the same time, you know, when I was directing and when I was working with my videographer and my editor, uh, Kurt Sh- uh, Shawwalker, uh, who's an amazing guy, uh, he, uh, I, every time I emailed him some notes, I said, um, singer needs to do this or, sing, or or cut the singer out here or cut, you know, or, or the pianist, which was me. I was both the pianist and the singer on all the stage and all that stuff. It's going to be awesome. But, um, you know, I had to make sure I looked at it as if I wasn't looking at myself. So that was definitely like a cool experience for sure. Well, I'm really happy to hear that because the fact is that when it comes to being a director, I think it's one of those things where sometimes it, it's a whole different set of hats and roles that you have to put on. And I think, I think, I think you're so, I always thought of you as someone who, who wants to be very creative in the entire space. You know what I mean? Like you want to be creative and have a lot of control, but I also see you as someone who's very generous with that. Now, I've also wanted to say like for you, 
why this why does this song in particular get a music video i know that a lot of us you know we have several singles everyone has uh, everyone who's an artist has several singles but i always wonder the process of picking one for the music video um that's an interesting question i'm not gonna lie there are some business aspects behind it and there are some creative aspects behind it it's a little bit of a 50 50. um i've been just working behind the scenes with my manager on a couple of things, which I can't I can't really talk about on air yet or anywhere really. But all I can say is that there have been some pretty like some some, some interested parties, very interested in the song that I um, had showed them, and you know then my manager was like, you know, hey Chris, you want to make a music video to this? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, we can do this. And uh, and so that was kind of like that was pretty much the driving force behind the decision of making the music video. But um, I, but then of course, like then beside the business aspect, I was like, okay, what does this song remind me of? The way it's produced, and I instantly thought of like this sort of '80s classic rock sort of vibe, um, which I can't wait for you to, to share with you guys. The, the, the single itself hasn't been released yet at all, um, so this will be kind of the debut video and the single. So um, yeah, I was just kind of it's a it's a ballad, it's a rock ballad. Um, so you know, it, it's, it'll start off with the piano, and then it'll sort of turn into this sort of rockish, like really cool, like feel. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but um, no, I, it, the song meant a lot to me when I wrote it. I wrote it about two years ago, and uh, I just was just like, no, what we, we can work with this. Yeah, Christopher. Hey, this is Bonnie. Question for you: um, How many Hi. how many folks are in your? So the video is you and several musicians. How many people are actually in the video? Yes, so there's a total of uh, four people in the video. There's myself on a piano, and I'm also going to be doing some stuff on the stage. There is um, my uh, guitarist. He goes by Razor J. Um, and then uh, my bassist, Miguel Arbayo, and my drummer, Sean McCune. Now, th- th- that being said, I definitely do want to, if I have, if I can, I, I want to I reiterate for the record that we were all completely COVID-safe about it to the point where the, we had the limitation of recording each individual by themselves on stage. Um, so we essentially did like a live a live feel, but we did it with individual shots. And that was the limitation that we had to actually focus on rather than just look at it as a limitation. So like pretty much we have shots of every single band member doing doing their thing, you know, and at all times when we were on a stage, which by the way, we actually built an entire stage in our backyard to do this but um you know because covid and studios were closed and stuff but um uh you know so we did that just for the sake of you know kind of making a statement as well you know being like hey like be safe and you know you can still do art while you know not being dumb good for <laughs> so, you yeah it's great <laughs> no i i really gotta say that's really cool that you actually decided to keep the covid restrictions around because i think that with covid i think a lot of people see it like when it comes to being an artist as a hindrance when it could be something that you can adapt and change and i think in many ways i think it filming these people individually led to a lot of creative decisions and i think that that's actually a really cool thing about i about i think that's one positive thing we can look at in terms of like adversity is to adapt but i also wanted to ask you specifically would you mind telling us a little bit more about like the influences behind your music video i know you have a lot of influences in your music did you have any particular influences as a director of your music video like there's plenty of great music videos out there was there any in particular that you had 
God, all these great questions, and I love them. Uh, I got to say, um, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I got I to be perfectly honest. Sometimes I like going into projects sort of kind of blind in the sense that, like, not blind as in, like, I have absolutely no knowledge of what I'm doing. But I mean, like, I kind of, sometimes I don't like to think about influences, and sometimes, I mean, I did, obviously, like, you, I can't, you can't avoid it when you're working on projects, but, like, I didn't really want to recreate anything per se, anything that I've seen before, but I, there was a, a particular shot, and it's in the very beginning, where I did just want to, what I wanted to do was create this arc of, of beginning, middle, and end, sort of like writing a story, as I think one should when creating anything sort of artistic. But um, in the beginning of the video, there's just a shot of me on, well, it's actually a shot of the, the keys of a piano, and then all you see is just, you know, the title card of, you know, my song, and then you see my hands um, uh, play the keys, and then the song starts, and then the camera work happens, and it slowly pans around, and then the camera work slowly builds and builds and builds, and then at the end of the video, um, it sort of ends exactly the same as it started, and then it fades away. And I, I and I wanted to write a story like that because I wanted to take more of a narrative approach versus a sort of just oh, let's just make a cool music video, you know, because it's cool. <laughs> I don't like that concept. I'd rather just actually make something really cool out there. <laughs> not, not cool, but really, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just just a little deeper than that. <laughs> Sounds very very cinematic. Yeah, very, yeah. I love that. I like that idea. Now, Christopher, one final question before we have to head out. Unfortunately, we do have to head out, but no worries. the question is, where do we go from here with this music video? What is your goal with it? Where are we going with um, it? My goal is to get um, some of the most important people in the music industry to see it. <laughs> that's um, that's that's really my that's my goal. I, I don't I'm not I don't want to I'm not pulling any punches um, about my music anymore. You know, I'm I'm in my twenties and I've I've made the decision a long time ago to be a performer, um, a, a musician, and an artist. Uh, like art is my life. And pretty much uh, with this, I'm sort of going to try taking it to the moon and just trying to uh, get noticed and seen. So good for you! Congratulations, that's great. I really, I'm really excited, Christopher. Now it's going to be this Sunday at what time again? Just real quick. This Sunday, uh, it's going to debut on uh, Facebook, on and Twitch, and YouTube, <laughs> everywhere. Uh, 7 p.m. Uh, this Sunday. Uh, look out for my uh, social media links and the like. Okay, perfect. And again, it's Christopher Do with a K and D Do D O. Okay, so let's uh, we're gonna head out and move on to a new segment. Thank you so much. Congratulations. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. To quote, to close out this particular episode of the show, we talked about cancel culture a little bit earlier, and I think that there's this big misunderstanding about critique versus canceling. I want to make it clear in my opinion that I don't think I have the power to cancel anything that's produced by a corporation. Mm. And I think a corporation will have every right to do what they want with the product. Not necessarily people, but that's but that's a different thing, you know, mm. like the fact is that Disney 
is a company that's very protective over their image. And so I say all this because I wanted to talk about Disney Plus making some changes, including adding a disclaimer to The Muppet Show and moving some shows, moving some movies from the kids profile to the adult profile. What's a disclaimer on The Muppet Show? What are they going to say? The disclaimer is basically like the following program may include like offensive or outdated stereotypes and okay. on certain episodes, not every episode. Mm-hmm. And they also have done this where um, they put it on Dumbo, um, Peter Pan, um, the Aristocats, a lot, lot of, mo- a few movies from their past. Mm-hmm. And so they add this disclaimer as sort of like a, hey, you know, if you see something that may potentially be offensive, here it is. I always thought of it as sort of like a Disney's clearing themselves for from any criticism sort of thing, which... Well, well I'm sure there's an aspect of that in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's one of those things where like they're, they're trying to, uh, I think, be sensitive to some of the criticisms, but I think that they... I think people have this idea of that we can't critique something and talk about how we can improve upon it. I think that for me, it's important to look at something like Peter Pan and see how it depicts Native Americans and say, how can we do better than that? And Mm -hmm. I think that when we have that conversation, we create a better understanding of our society and cinema and stuff like that. And for me, here's a question I want to ask. If you don't want to have that conversation, are you sure the movie's worth anything if you were not willing to, mm-hmm. is that movie worth a conversation? And mm-hmm. it is, it's a great movie. Peter Pan. I mean, personally, I think Peter Pan's one of the good rather than great Disney movies, but like Dumbo's a great movie. And I think it's really important to have the conversation regarding absolutely its depiction of the crows. And is it race or is it mm-hmm. prop? Is it problematic? Is it racist? Is it, and it's about those conversations. And so for Disney plus the app, they have moved, those three movies over to the adult profile meaning mm-hmm. that if you are a parent you can set up an adult profile which there's no adult content to begin with on disney plus so uh <laughs> feel but it's your then it's your choice as a parent as to whether or not you want kid to have access to it and then maybe have that conversation no yeah, yeah definitely yeah. i agree with that i think that that's actually the that's actually the best way to put it is you as the parent have a decision to make about whether or not those films I think those parents, there's no disputing those films are great and they are um, easy for kids to watch. Like they'll watch it and they probably won't pick up on the stereotypes. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also important to kind of see it as a teachable moment and say like, hey, absolutely. Hey, what's going on here? And Mm -hmm. I think that with the Muppet show, they added a disclaimer because the Muppet show, I know I said earlier that there's no adult content on Disney Plus. But The Muppet Show has always been a show that's predominantly more appealing to adults than kids. Like, I think mm-hmm. as an adult, I think an adult would appreciate Rita Moreno's appearance on uh, The Muppet uh, Show. Of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> more than a kid. And not to say a kid probably won't know who she is. Yeah. I'm sure there's kids out there that do. Yeah. But I think that, for example, I would get more excited about Rita Moreno yeah. on the first episode than like my niece or nephew right, who are right, like, right. oh, that's just the lady who sings. That lady, yeah. That lady who sings in the middle of these puppets that I want to watch instead. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and I think that when you create these conversations, you let people you feel you let people in to begin with. Like you let minorities or people people of color women come in and yes. say, like, you know what? It is is this how we should depict people now? And of course, there's, I don't. I, I think that it, I think it's important to have that balance of having a good time watching these shows, 
and also understanding a little education along the way right yeah and i think that's great and for me i also think it's important to have but i also i'm gonna be honest like i do think it's important for disney plus to be pretty honest about certain things because like on they had a a cartoon called Santa's Workshop and they have the disclaimer on there right and I was under the impression that it was going to be the uncut version which where the unfortunately the the little um they it was just in this scene in the uncut version Santa Claus inspects some dolls there's a white doll with blonde hair and blue eyes Mm -hmm. and then the black doll comes on and the black doll says mammy instead of mommy it says mammy oh dear and it has like the really stereotypical hair and i was under the impression that okay well they've kept it on there and i get it like i I get why they kept it on there the warner brothers company you know they keep their cartoons they also put a disclaimer on their cartoons and i actually respect how warner brothers do it does it because they've been doing it for a while Mm -hmm. and and i think they know how to educate the public on their cartoons they have tcm and all that but with Disney, I think they've always had this idea of like stumbling on themselves because mm-hmm. they put that disclaimer. But that scene with the black doll is nowhere near on the Disney Plus version. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of asking Disney, you know, you know, be thoughtful about where you put that disclaimer because you yeah. just can't. Because uh, if you put it on Santa's workshop, someone may watch and say, wait, I don't get it without mm-hmm. knowing that the reason why you put it there was, was right, right. was for that thing. Right. And. Also, TCM is also doing a week-long program called Problematic Films, where they look at movies like Breakfast at Tiffany's, Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. and they look at those movies and critique what would the be social diff- issues and what what was acceptable maybe then and isn't now. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. And it's a it's a festival in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's just you watch it and they talk about it. I think the movies they pick, like Breakfast at Tiffany's, you know, I love Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, I do too. But it's kind of one of those things where I forget conveniently that Mickey Rooney, Mickey Rooney does what he does in that movie. Wait, but, Mickey Rooney's not in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, no. Yeah, he is. He's the Asian character. The Asian. <gasps> arch- that's right. <laughs> oh, my God. See, th- that's exactly my point is that wow, we forget that I he's in it. Got that. <laughs> he played. Oh, my gosh. He yeah. played the Asian stereotype in that film. And when you watch it, it's one of those things where I don't think it's a bad thing that people forget about it. It's just, it's not inherently bad. It's just yeah. one of those things when you revisit breakfast at yeah, Tiffany's. Yeah. See, I, to- I, had to- I totally forgot that. And I love that movie. Yeah. It's a great it, movie. It, and I just, I just want to say something real quick. I think that the, it's a good idea for parents to take a, a film like uh, Peter Pan or whatever it is. And ha- depending on your, the age of your child, I mean, you have to f- make it sense how old they are. They, they can understand, but take those te- teachable moments. Cause they, I just was thinking of that, the song from South Pacific, you've got to be carefully taught. Children are taught to be racist or not to be prejudiced or not. They're not born that way. No baby is born racist. They learn that from parents and siblings and people around them. So I think that's really important. No, I agree with that. Carefully taught. And also just, you know, if you if your child has questions about certain things or like, let's say they watch the Peter Pan and they hear the Red Man song, ask yourselves why your kids really invest in that song mm-hmm. and t- teach them a bit and actually tell them, hey, you know, it's about this culture and you know, I think it's also important for schools to also bring about that sort of conversation too. Yep. And using those movies as an example of harm is a good thing. And yeah. it's also important just to have fun with those movies too. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Good conversation. We'll be back with more in the Culture Corner. And next segment, we're going to talk with Sandra Booker, a wonderful uh, jazz singer who's got a new single out in just a bit. <laughs> 